Echo Park, a new beginning. Let's go. Started back rocking the brown. Ever since we've been knocking them down. Baby said she wanna go to the game. Taught her how to say Padre gang. Started back rocking the brown. Ever since we've been knocking them down. Mitchell and Ness with the old school name. All of the homies holler Padre gang. Yeah, that. And good day, everybody. Welcome to episode 177 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. I'm your host, Ben Fadden. Oh, and my overlay is not right. Hold on one second. Let me fix that. Sorry, I just hopped on here. There we go. Just hopped on here after Joe Musgrove. What? A heck of a masterpiece that was. Goes eight strong innings, took a no-hitter into that eighth inning, goes seven and two-thirds innings, and he nearly got the no-hitter done. Almost got it done. Gave up that double to Colton Wong over the right fielder's head. I thought he was going to get it. When Jake Cronenworth caught that liner in the eighth inning, you know, those are usually the plays when no-hitters happen. There's usually that one play that is a great play or the ball gets smoked and the defense helps you out, right? Helps the pitcher out. And that felt like the play that would have got the no-hitter done. They got past Caratini in that eighth inning, I think. And it felt like it was going to get done. But Colton Wong doubles. What I noticed, you know, at the end of this no-hitter was or almost no hitter was that Joe Musgrove, he was using that two seam fastball a little bit more or probably way more than he was using it in his actual no hitter that he threw. And so the Padres end up winning tonight, seven, nothing over the Brewers. It's in the middle of a four game series here that I'm recording or going live for this episode. I usually don't do this, but regardless of if Joe was going to throw a no hitter or not, during that eighth inning, I kind of made the decision of, okay, I'm going to do an episode. I don't care why or if he gets the no-hitter or if he doesn't. I don't care. You got to give props to this guy for the performance that he had because, my goodness, that was an amazing, amazing performance. He had control of everything pretty much the entire game. Uh, what was it? The sixth inning, he had a couple walks that you know raised his pitch count. And like Mud was talking about late in the broadcast, it was kind of like, uh, maybe Bob Melvin's going to have to face a tough decision here because Joe Musgrove's pitch count was, I think, higher than what it was at the time when he was close to that first no-hitter in Texas. Obviously, Joe didn't get the no-hitter tonight, but he still finishes with eight innings of shutout ball, gave up that one hit, walked three, struck out six, over 114 pitches, in the chat right now, let me know where you're watching from. Let me know your thoughts on this game. If you watched this game, where you were watching it, were you superstitious about this game when it was happening? I wasn't as superstitious as I was for the first no-hitter. Uh, one, because I was clipping highlights on my laptop, and my laptop was about to die, so I had to go to the counter and charge it. So I did have to move. During the first no-hitter in Texas, I sat in the same spot. I was watching the game on the TV in my front living room, sat in the same spot, was keeping score, did not move. When I realized what was going on at probably like the fifth 
inning or something somewhere around that time uh, and he got it done um now that the first no hitter happened it's kind of like okay if he gets another one it's cool if he doesn't well that's fine too i want to get the win you know and a big part like i mentioned is just hats off to joe musgrove really really great job out of him today i mean first inning three up three down strikes out wong and strikes out yelich in that inning the padres get where they get one run i think or two runs in that second inning for or one run in the second inning i think they got a run in the first for him in the bottom of the second ground out for kutch another ground out another ground out uh, ground out ground out ground out um in the third yeah, he hit Caratini. That was the first base runner that he allowed. Um, but he, he still hadn't allowed a hit, obviously. Jace Peterson ground out. Kane ground out. Long ground out. Lots of ground outs. Kind of like that no-hitter in Texas. You know, he had a lot of ground outs uh, during that game. Obviously, the final out to Kim. That's uh, the grounder by Kiner Falefa. Yes, I remember the hitter. I will always remember that. Um, was a ground out. Lots of ground outs, and, and those are his friend. It was the walks, like I mentioned, in the sixth inning that maybe took a little bit out of him. The multiple walks um, in the, what was it, the fourth inning. Another uh, Two ground outs, one by Yelich, and then he got cut to fly out to deep center. That was probably the best hit ball before that liner to Cronenworth. And then in the bottom of the fifth, he walked to Les, but then line out. Got a line out, a ground out to short, a ground out by Caratini to Musgrove, flipped it over to first to Haas. Then in the bottom of the six, this is where those couple walks happened, right? And that's where it was like, uh-oh. Uh, you know, obviously the pitch count was rising, and you just didn't really know if Joe was going to be able to finish it in terms of the no-hitter. At least I kind of had a little bit of doubt just because Bomel already knows that, hey, Musgrove already has a no-hitter in, in the back, you know, and we need Joe Musgrove to be healthy for the entire year, uh, especially when it matters most if the Potters are going to be serious contenders for a World Series. There's no one pitching in the world right now better than Joe Musgrove. There just isn't, I don't think, uh, in terms of starting pitchers. Uh, so health is paramount, and so when those walks happened, the pitch count was rising, Mud was talking about it a little bit, as I mentioned earlier. Wasn't really sure if he, even if he had that no hitter. Now, once you send him out, I, I do understand this. Once you send him out for the eighth inning, you're gonna let him finish, right? The eighth inning is the biggest decision in a no hitter, in my opinion, right? For a manager, you send him out for the eighth. Well, if he gets through that eighth inning without allowing a hit, you're sending him back out there for the ninth. You just, you have to. You don't send him. You don't have them pitch eight no-hit innings and then say, you know what? No, we're not going to allow you to to try out and go out there for the ninth. That's not the way it works, right? So the eighth inning's the huge, huge decision, and he let Joe out there uh, in the eighth. And we'll get to that. We talked about the six, you know, those couple walks. He struck out Kane, got uh, Yelich to ground out, struck out McCutcheon. Bottom seven, three up, three down, got Telez to pop out. Struck out Taylor, struck out Peterson. Um, and then the bottom of the eighth, that, that line out to Crony. Um, that's where I thought the no-hitter was going to happen because, like I mentioned, that was the play, right? That was that one play 
okay, a ball's hit really hard and the defense makes a good play or it's hit right to someone, right? That no hitter in Texas, there was, there was a good play. There was, I believe there's a couple good plays, but then there was also that liner, like in this game, there was the liner um, hit to Myers, right? And Myers caught it in right field. And it was like big sigh of relief, right? Oh, okay. Kind of relax. All right. That, that's good. I think there was, was there another liner, I think, to Cronenworth in that game? It might've been the ninth inning. I forget what inning. I think Myers was the eighth inning, but there were liners in that game as well that went the Padres way. They were caught and that helped Joe finish off the no hitter. That obviously didn't happen in the eighth inning. He did get the lineup for Caratini, got Kane to fly out to Azokar, and then more action for Azokar in right field uh, with Colton Wong doubling over his head. Now, this was a big, I think, question in my head when the play happened. Let me know in the chat here. Let me know your thoughts. When Wong hit that ball and it ends up falling over Azokar's head, who thought here that Azokar could have caught that ball? I personally think he could have. And... I'll try to share my screen with the play. I think that he could have caught the ball. Hang on, let me load it up here. All right, here it is. We'll get to the offense, John, don't worry. But Musgrove's obviously the story here. All right, so here's the play. Fly ball right field. Back Line to right. And Azokar, he's kind of going backwards on it, kind of trying to Willie Mays it early. And I feel like if he just would have ran straight back, he would have been able to catch it. Am I wrong there? I don't know. Like, look at the play again. It looks like instead if he would have, instead of if he would have, you know, tried to run straight back, you know, instead of trying to Willie Mays it, I feel like he could have gotten there. Maybe he would have had to Willie Mays it eventually. But look, look how early he just stops right there. I don't know. I think he could have gotten that. Run back hard. And maybe that's just the way his route to the ball, he was going to catch it, you know, like this anyway. But I felt like we could have caught it kind of like this. Sorry for the podcast audience, but I'm showing on YouTube. We could have caught it there. I think he had a better chance. He would have sprinted to the ball. And that's easier to say me sitting here, obviously, and not being on the field. But it looked like a play that he could have caught. That's just me. John says, I, I sure did look like a bad play on the ball. Yeah, and I don't even – I hesitate to say it was like a bad play on the ball. I just feel like maybe he hesitated a little bit. Maybe that's all. But that was that's obviously the one hit that Musgrove gave up, and so that's definitely the one thing that we're going to question, right? And I personally think he could have caught it. But he didn't. Musgrove finishes his outing. Ruben Niebla has the mound visit after the double, and then he gets Pablo Reyes to ground out to Crony at second. And there you go. Um, and that was his outing. Eight innings, no runs, gave up that one hit. Just, 
amazing outing from Joe Musgrove. Just truly, truly amazing outing. And when you compare it to his actual no-hitter, because I wrote this down too on April 9, 2021, obviously, against the Rangers, he went nine innings, didn't give up a run, gave up one less hit, obviously. Uh, I saw in the baseball reference box score, he didn't walk anyone. I thought he did, but maybe that was a hit batter. Um, I think it probably was. And then he struck out 10. So he struck out more guys actually than today using that contact. But it was the walks, obviously, that you know increased that pitch count there, specifically in the sixth inning, having those couple walks. That was probably his longest inning you know, of his outing. And that's where it kind of taxed him. But um, just a tremendous outing. And, you know, I saw a piece in the Bleacher Report today about how he's probably going to get, or they thought, that he's probably going to get $200 million in free agency if he gets there, just because he's easily going to be the most sought-out, sought-after free agent pitcher on the market, starting pitcher. And look, the Padres just can't let it get there. Because that's your greatest fear, right? They let it get to free agency, and another team just totally overpays for him. They get desperate, totally overpay, kind of like how the Yankees overpaid for Garrett Cole, which I I mean, the numbers are there for Garrett Cole. Like, he just look at the numbers. They've overpaid for him so far, and they're going to hate that contract in the second half of that. So that's your greatest fear, right? A team... You know, he gets to free agency, and a team totally is desperate and overpays for Musgrove, and the Padres don't bring him back. You know, fans are going to get pissed off if that happens. I'll be pissed off. They just can't allow it to get to free agency. You know, your free agency, your hometown discount, which you're not going to get a hometown discount, I don't think, especially with the lowball offer you gave him the first time around, $11 million a year, that's it. I mean... You're going to have to give more. You just are. You're not getting that hometown discount. That discount is right now. The fact that you're the only team that gets to negotiate with him. That should be your, that's like your discount. That's like your special, you know, advantage over the other teams. You got to use that to your advantage. And you can't just have, you got to make a more competitive offer of where Joe Musgrove takes it seriously and says, hey, okay, I'm going to continue. I'll, I'll, me and my agent, or my agent and Peter Seidler, they're going to continue talking. They're going to resume talks. Because, what was it, like a month ago, a few weeks ago with Ben and Woods on 97.3 The Fan, he said that they've cut off the talks for now, and he wants to just focus on pitching. And until the Padres give him more of a competitive offer, he's not going to talk about an extension. Well, Peter Seidler... Eric Gruppner, A.J. Preller, give him a competitive offer then. You cannot let this go to free agency. You cannot let that happen. And I know that the Padres have the money, right? There's tons of people going to games this year and all that. But you know that there's other teams out there with starting pitching. There are so many teams that would love to have Joe Musgrove be their ace. And I don't know why, but there's just that feeling somewhere, maybe it's in the back of my head, that the Padres are going to be like, we have Mackenzie Gore for years and years to come. We have Darvish and Snell next year. And we can still upgrade the team through cheaper contracts, through trade. And and they're going to they're gonna be like, well, we're not going to be 
we're not going to be desperate. We don't want to totally over overpay for him. And what I would say to that is you're going to have to overpay, I think, somehow if he gets to free agency, you're definitely going to have to overpay. You know, the way you're not going to have to overpay, and to be honest, it, would it really be an overpay based on how he's pitching right now? If, you know, because you know it's going to have to probably be eight years. That's what they offered him. They offered him eight years, $11 million a year, right? Their offer, according to The Athletic. So they're obviously willing to give him eight years. So he isn't going to probably accept, accept anything that's less than that. Unless it's huge AAV for six or seven years, you know, he want he probably wants that long term deal to finish his career with the Padres, right? So you're gonna have to give him a long term deal, at least eight years. And teams saw that Padres offer eight years, eighty eight million, and they're like, okay, well, we're gonna have to give him eight years as well. So I yeah, well, teams offer him probably some short term, r- ridiculously high AAV, yeah, but I feel like. That eight-year offer, okay, if the Padres are willing to give that to him and they know him best, then other teams are going to say, okay, we got to give him eight years or nine years even, you know? And I can look, look, I don't know if fan graphs, let me see here. I don't know if fan graphs um, has updated his value, you know, if because they have a value metric. If someone hits free agency, this is how much money they deserve. Like that's their value metric, millions wise. And right now, uh, let's see. This is Musgrove, right? Yeah. Right now, it says he's worth thirteen and a half million dollars in free agency, but that's just accounting for the amount of starts that he's had so far this year. So we're a quarter of the way through the year. You multiply that by four, right? Let me see here. 13 and a half times four. That's 50, that's 50 plus million dollars a year that he's worth right now, according to Fangraphs, their value metric. So is it really going to be overpaying if the Padres give him, I don't know, $25 million a year? 27 million dollars a year if he continues pitching like this and proves that he can stay healthy and let's say we're in september and they're like you know the all the pressures on them to get an extension done you're telling me that 27 million dollars a year is going to be an overpay for him i'm not so sure when you consider that you're going to get him in his prime he's continued to stay healthy he's getting better every single year he's your ace of the rotation and you guarantee that he didn't hit free agency, that's a win, you know? And I'd be comfortable giving that to him right now. The on Based on the way that he's pitching, based on how he's taking care of his body and what we've heard in the offseason of, uh, you know, him, you know, doing the water stuff underwater for like four minutes or something crazy like that. Like, he takes care of his body great. He knows what he's doing out there. He's getting better every year if you look at the numbers. He's the guy you give the money to. He's from San Diego. Family's here, yada, yada, yada. He's so comfortable here. Like Jack Stronach said, the Padres prospect who went to Helix, Grossmont's rival high school. I went to Helix as well. You know, him being comfortable here with his family and all that, that's huge, right? Going to Grossmont games on an off day, 
rare home off day and you go and he goes to his high school games like this guy belongs in San Diego you don't need to hear me say that right there's no excuse for the Padres to not offer him at least 25 million dollars a year in an extension I don't think if I'm wrong on that let me know but I don't think I'm wrong on that and let me know in the chat right now what would you give Joe Musgrove what extension would you offer him right now and while you do that i'm going to go through this game padres won today seven to nothing that was great a great win they finally finally got that 31st win of the season luke voigt in the top of the first he hit a ground rule double that scored manny made it one nothing padres in the top of the second, Profar single to right, made it 2-0 Padres. In the bottom of the third, Musgrove got out of that runner on third base jam. In the fourth, Manny, a three-run bomb to left field on a breaking ball after fouling off three straight pitches from Corbin Burns, who is the reigning Cy Young winner. And by the way, Corbin Burns, those were the last runs he'd give up because he only went three and two-thirds innings. This offense did a tremendous, tremendous job of getting to Corbin Burns and making Joe Musgrove relax on the mound. Maybe that's why he was able to get through these eight innings and almost give it, you know, throw that no hitter, that second no hitter for himself in less than two years was because of the offense that he was provided. You know, uh, in the fifth inning, Profar had an RBI single to center, made it six nothing. Bottom six, Musgrove walked two, like I mentioned, but stranded runners on first and third, got out of some jams. Was still at zero hits at that point. Bottom seven. Musgrove got it out, out of that inning. Struck out two. Bottom eight. With two outs, gave up that double to Wong. Azokar, I think, could have gotten to that if he sprinted back instead of committing probably too early to try to do a Willie Mays type catch. Maybe he lost the ball. I don't know. But that ended up being the only hit that Musgrove gave up. Top nine. Kim, RBI single after Azokar hit a triple. So I saw fans. It was kind of ironic. Uh, now Azokar wants to hustle out a triple when he could have hustled in right field, you know. Um, and then Musgrove's final line, like I mentioned, eight innings, no runs, one hit, three walks, struck out six, over 114 pitches. Craig Stammen came in the ninth, shut out ninth inning. No one cares, though. They care that they won. The big story is Joe Musgrove, Manny Machado getting his ninth home run on the season. Um, man, that was a great, great win. An exciting win. Um, a game that was kind of boring in the middle of it once Manny hit that three-run home run just because there wasn't a whole lot of action because Musgrove wasn't giving up hits. And there were a couple innings, and maybe this was good or maybe it wasn't. I maybe side on the side that it wasn't was that there were some innings that the Padres offense went three up, three down late in that game. Uh, I think it might have been going into the eighth inning. and. Joe Musgrove didn't get much rest at all. Had to go right back out there, you know. Um, I don't know how much rest he got in that Texas game. You know, like inning by inning. I kind of forget that. But um, maybe that's part of it. Just, I mean, obviously he was fatigued. You're, you're going to be fatigued regardless of how great you, you're pitching. And it's the eighth inning, right? Um, but I, I'm, just, I'm just so proud of what Joe Musgrove has done this year. What he did tonight. You know, it's it's amazing. It is amazing what we're seeing out of Joe Musgrove and this entire rotation, Shamanaya, Mackenzie Gore, Clev when he's been healthy, right? 
Um, Nick Martinez just seems like he's getting out of a lot of jams, right? Uh, it's just, and then Taylor Rogers. We'll get to yesterday's game because why not? We're already at it. We're already at it. So why not? Why not just talk about the first two games of this series, and then I'll talk about the next two on Sunday. So it's a four-game series. Um, I mean, Taylor Rogers for most of the year, he's been good too. You know, so this pitching staff, most of it, you know, the bullpen's been shaky, but the closer most of the time, and then the starting rotation, Darvish, I didn't mention, got to mention him. Amazing. They, they've been amazing this year. And they're a big reason why the Padres are 31 and 22 right now. And we'll get back. We're going to get back to that Joe Mus- Musgrove extension conversation. Let me go to his game logs and just show how great he's been. Um, they don't have the Milwaukee start in there, but obviously today, eight shutout innings, May 28th, six innings, one earned run, May 21st, seven innings, no earned runs, May 15th, six innings, two earned runs, May 5th, seven innings, two earned runs, May 1st, uh, seven innings, one earned run, April 26th, six innings, two earned runs. April 19th, six and a third, two earned runs. April 14th, six and two thirds, no earned runs. April 9th, first start of the year against Arizona, six innings, two earned runs. Hasn't given up more than two earned runs in any start. He has pitched three shutouts now, including tonight's game. And he's given up a total of 12 earned runs this season. He has struck out 58 guys entering tonight. So you add six strikeouts, so he struck out 64 guys so far this year, and he has walked 14 guys. Amazing, amazing numbers when you look at it. Ground ball percentage going into tonight's start, 43.6% of the time, leaving over 80% of the guys that he's put on base, he's left those guys on base. 80.5% of those guys entering tonight's start, he's given up less than... 0.7 0.7 home runs through nine innings per nine innings walk less than two guys per nine innings, nine strikeouts per nine. Amazing. Just amazing out of Joe Musgrove. And we, I've seen, I see some comments here about Joe Musgrove and a possible extension. Let's get to that right now. Yousef the third says counter arguments are the Padres already got good years from him and they can add more value to the team instead of spending on only one player. What I would say to that is Joe Musgrove is one of those guys that you pay the big money to. And I understand the point about you know spending the money on more than one player. But you, you got to understand that with this rotation, it's going to be hard to find multiple guys that can fill Joe Musgrove's shoes next year. Are we sure that Adrian Morahone is going to be able to fill Joe Musgrove's shoes? Because let's say, so we got Darvish Snell next year. Martinez, let's say he opts out because he has a good year. Musgrove, let's say he leaves. Can't pay him, right? Let's say he leaves. Clev, let's say you bring one of Clev or Mania back, okay? So now you have a rotation of Gore, Darvish, Snell, Clev, Ormania, and then Morhone. That seems like a decent rotation, right? But Darvish got hurt last year. I'm playing devil's advocate here. Darvish got hurt last year. 
Snell hasn't been consistent really for a long period of time in a Padre uniform. Clev has that injury history, obviously. Uh, who else? I'm not going to say anything about Gore because I love where Gore is, but he's still not Joe Musgrove, right? Um, and then Morahone, he's had an injury history, right? He just had Tommy John. So you don't have a ton of um, guarantees health-wise in that rotation, right? And spending money on, you know, more than one player, right? Let's say, let's go to the outfield, right? You want to, you want to spend money on that, right? Well, CJ Abrams, I think should be in the outfield and you're going to be paying a minimum salary, rookie salary, probably. Okay. So you're not paying a lot of money for him. You don't have to bring anyone in for that. Robert Hassel, the third, I think he'll be up next year at some point. You're not going to be paying him much money. So it's not like you're going to be paying, you know, guys 30 plus million dollars to go play in the outfield, right? And I, I could buy that argument if that was the case, but that's not happening. Luke Voigt, you have under control, you know, um, who else? Alfaro, I think you have under control. Nola, you have under control. Camposano, you have under control. Let's say if Nola or Alfaro, you get rid of one of them. Camposano's not going to be making a whole lot of money, right? So I think you just go all in on Musgrove. And Yusef the third says, I'm with you, Ben, I'm, but not sure how the front office will think about it. Well, Peter Seidler knows that he knows what Padres fans want, and that's pretty much all I can say about it. I'm not in the front office. In the front office, they can't think with emotions. Okay, don't think with emotions then. Look at the numbers. Look, literally look at the numbers. And I'd be willing to pay this guy $25 plus million dollars a year right now. That's, that's just what I think. Joel Williams says, depends on what the, the Potters can afford. How much did they pay for Clevenger and Manaya? What do you mean, how much did they pay for? They're going to go for more in free agency. That's usually how it works. So what they're making now doesn't really do anything. And would you, so would you rather have Clevenger and Manaya or Musgrove? That's a really compelling question, you know? Because Manaya in his career, he's been, what, a four ERA pitcher? He's done quality starts, but Musgrove's had a quality start every single time out this year, you know? And Clev, he's had the injury history, right? So that's an, I guess that's a question that the front office is going to ask themselves, right? But I think they know who Padre fans want more. They want Musgrove. If if that means parting with Clev and Manaya, if that means that they get to keep Musgrove, we, if we get to have Musgrove and don that jersey, we're picking Musgrove, I think. And you'd say, Joel says conservatively $18 million a year. Well, then you're not keeping Joe Musgrove. You're not going to keep him then. There's no way that he's going to sign here for $18 million a year. His agent, there's no way that would happen. He would easily get more than $20 million a year on the free agent market right now. There are, there are a bunch of teams that would want him. I don't know what the Red Sox situation is, but I don't think their starting pitching is that strong. Um, and Steve Cohen has so much money. I'm not going to mention the Dodgers. I think he he's that much of a San Diego that the Dodgers can offer him 
500 million and he wouldn't go to them. Uh, the Giants, I, I, I tend to think that too. Um, but, I mean, you're telling me that the Cubs don't have money? Tell me that, I don't know, that the Nationals, if they get a new ownership group, don't have money? The Phillies, I know they have a big payroll. Maybe they're not the fit. But the Mets just throw money around. The Braves, I'm sure, have money. Uh that's just National League teams, you know. Blue Jays, they're on the up. Mariners. Just trying to think. I mean, Texas has money, I'm sure. They spend a lot on the infield, but they don't have a lot of money, I don't think, going to the rotation. Angels. You know, there's other teams that would love to have Joe Musgrove be their ace. And they would definitely offer him twenty plus million dollars a year, no doubt, no freaking doubt about it, no doubt at all. So yeah, eighteen million dollars, you would get fired if you're AJ Preller offering Joe Musgrove eighteen million dollars as your final offer. I know you say conservatively, but eighteen million—that's not going to happen. No way, no way at all. All right, this episode brought to you by Gaglion Bros Famous Cheese Steaks and Garlic Fries, located at Petco Park. Point Loma and Mission Gorge. You can visit gaggerlandbros.com to view their entire menu, uh, their addresses, the phone numbers, all that good stuff to get in touch with them. Great cheesesteaks, great garlic fries. All right. We talked about this game. Padres win 7 nothing. We had the Musgrove conversation. Now let's talk about Thursday's loss. Padres were up 4-1 to in the ninth inning, and they end up collapsing, right? We'll just go through it here, and then we'll obviously get to Rodgers concern is there a concern there or not you know we'll get to that all right pre-game Nomar Mazzara was activated by the way uh I didn't talk about Will Myers going on the IL before today's game and Brent Rooker being activated I have a reaction video on the YouTube channel on this very YouTube channel that you can watch uh I reacted to the news live on the pre-game show so I don't think I need to rehash that again here on this episode so go watch that uh, if you're interested in that. Pre-game on Thursday, Mazzara was activated. Starting in right field, Cano off the team. I've already reacted to that as well. Mazzara, he has power. He makes contact. To be honest, I think that he definitely has a better chance than Trace Thompson of staying with this team long-term. One, Trace Thompson was brought up because Will Myers was on the IL, and that was going to be short-term anyway. And Mazzara here, he's replacing Cano, who got released. So he literally took a roster spot. So he's going to have good amount of plate appearances here. And I think he should be the starting right fielder. He started the last two games so far in right field. And I think that should continue. I think he should play today, uh, tomorrow and Sunday, rest of the series. Give him a ton of at-bats. I don't know. I mean, I kind of do know why they pinch hit for Mazar two at-bats in both of these first two games that he's played with the major league team. I think it's because of matchups and defense. Um, do I really agree with that, especially yesterday? No. I get today, I mean, that didn't work out great with the Zokar in right field, but uh, I understand today because you, ha you had a big lead, trying to keep the no-hitter, all that. Yesterday, I mean, give him the at-bats. I didn't really understand that. I mean, he, lead he led the PCL on average. He got on base every game. And he's facing righties and lefties there. You know, he can face both of them. You know, leave him in the game. 
But Mazar, he's, he has power, gets on base, makes contact. I like it. Give him playing time. So that was pregame. Bottom of the first, Shamanaya struck out the side. Top of the second in yesterday's game. First and second, Sergio Alcantara struck out to Strand Grisham and Voigt. That maybe came back to bite the Padres because they ended up losing by one run. Uh, in the third, Manny grounded out. Did not hustle. I put that out on Twitter. Wong bobbled it. Didn't hustle. And he ended up being thrown out barely. He would have beaten it had he hustled. And Manny's been great. He had a hustle double in the ninth. I'm going to give him credit for that. Definitely mentioning that. I posted it on Twitter. So I'm going to be fair to him there as well. Um, but I can't sit here and say, no, it's okay, Manny. You know, I don't care that it was a bad look. You're just not giving even – it didn't even look like he was giving 80% there. And he ended up getting thrown out, and maybe he ends up scoring. You know, who knows? Uh, but he doesn't get on base there. And I'm sorry. Yeah, Manny, you've been great. Hit another home run today. But you have to give better effort than that. And he didn't do it there. So you got to hold him accountable. Don't care who you uh, – in the fourth, bases loaded, two outs, a 3-2 count. Alcantara flew out to center to the warning track. Almost hit a grand slam. Holy cow, that was so close. Sergio Alcantara, probably the last guy on the roster. And he almost hit a granny. That's baseball for you, right? Um, in the fifth, Haas had an RBI double over Kutch's head in right field. Made it 1-0 Padres, bottom five. There was a fielder's choice that scored Colton Wong. Um, Crony turned a double play to strand Milwaukee runners on first and third. So the game was tied at one there. Uh, in the sixth, Jorge Alfaro, big two-run home run to center field. He is definitely hitting better than Austin Nola right now. That is clear. He should be the starting catcher if we're judging it on offense. I know that Nola is going to catch Musgrove. He's going to catch certain guys, and I'm fine with that. If Voight falters DH-wise, you're going to have to put Alfaro as the DH uh, sometimes. Or think about it. Or at least pinch hit for Nola. I said this on the pregame show today. You're going to have to pinch hit for him in some situation. In some situations, eighth inning, his place in the order comes up. It's not like you're pinch hitting Alfaro and then you don't have a catcher. You're pinch hitting a catcher for a catcher. Uh, that's gonna. That's just going to have to happen because Nola is not cutting it offensively right now, in my opinion. Yeah, he's good with contact-wise. And so certain situations, he might be better than Alfaro. But if you're down... And Nola's catching. You got to put Alfaro in, I think. Uh, entering tonight's game, he was 6-for-12 with a double, a home run, and two walks in his last five games. He's doing well. Manai on the mound yesterday went six innings, gave up one run, five hits, walked two, struck out eight, 103 pitches. Another quality start for Manaya, Grinding through it. Really, really good. Bottom seven. Suarez pitched well, got out of jam. Top, uh, in the eighth, Luis Garcia pitched well, got out of it. Uh, in the ninth, that's where the problem was. Alcantara, the sack fly to center in the eighth, made it 4-1. Rodgers came in, and he did not have command. Just didn't. Could not locate that slider. He, was, he hit back-to-back -back guys with the slider. He gave up a single, the first guy that he faced. And then he, I think he hit Wong, hit Caratini. And then... They still let him face 
uh, Jace Peterson with the bases loaded and no outs. Do I agree with that decision? If I was at Bob Melvin's shoes, yes, I would still I wouldn't second guess that decision because he's still your closer. You got to give him the chance to get out of it, right? But as a fan, it's kind of like, come on, it's it's clear that he does not have it. I was listening to John and Jim on Extra earlier today, and they were talking about how, uh, of course, you got to give Taylor Rogers that guy with the bases loaded, right? Where uh, or Jace Peters hit the ball off the wall, uh, center bases clearing tied the game before just walk off when Chris Matt came in, and it's easy to. And so, if I, again, if I was Bob Melvin, I wouldn't second-guess the decision to leave Rodgers in the game. He's been good. Give him the chance. You have a lead. He's the closer. Give him the confidence. Let him stay out there. But as a fan, I was not thinking that way. I was thinking, he clearly does not have it. Why are we letting him face a guy? He says loaded, no outs. I don't care who the hitter is. He can't locate the fighter, so he's going to be relying on the fastball, and that's exactly what happened. I'm kind of surprised the ball didn't get out by on that Jace Peterson extra base hit that cleared the bases. But so let me know in the chat. As a fan, I didn't like the decision to keep Rodgers in because it was clear he didn't have it. I, I as a fan, I don't judge who the player is really. You know, if he's not on his day, he's not on his day. Just view it as the results. Don't view it as he's the closer. View it as it's a pitcher on the Padres. He's not on his day, and you're trying to win a game and snap a three-game losing streak. So take him out. You got Chris Matt in the bullpen. Let's see what he got. I know he gave up the single to Kutch, but see what's happened. You know He gave up a single. He didn't give up a bases-clearing, uh, what was it, double or triple that almost was a grand slam, almost a walk-off granny, you know? So as a fan, I disagreed with that. As Bob Melvin, I understand why, though, that he kept him in the game. Um, obviously, that didn't work. And on that play, by the way, that Jace Peterson with the bases clearing double, I think it was, could have Trent Grisham gotten to that ball, you know? Man, that's another, kind of like the Azokar play today on the Musgrove first hit that he, and only hit that he allowed. Could have Grisham gotten to that ball. You know, there's been Grisham, there's been a, you know, I don't know, a notion around him that he's lackadaisical, getting to balls and all that stuff. And I definitely see that. And I totally understand that. But the ball was hit off the wall. The wall there is pretty tricky. It, it, it would have been a tough catch anyway. He would have, <coughs> excuse me, he would have had to jump and then bang into the wall and hold on to the ball. You know, it, it just would have been a tough catch. Um, now, Azokar, I think he was probably played wrong, right? Like, he literally went, like, right in front of, or right behind Grisham. Obviously, Grisham's back was turned to him. Went right behind him. Instead of going to the left of Grisham, because he knew that's, if he knew what he was doing, the ball was going to bounce off the wall if Grisham didn't catch it and go that way. Zokar just was behind Grisham and then had to run even further toward dead center to go get the ball to go retrieve the ball 
Then to throw in one hopped Cronenworth, it just it took a long time for that throw to get in. Um, would they would would they have gotten him anyway if the throw didn't take that long and he, you know, would have wouldn't have had to run after the ball more after it deflected off the wall? I don't know. Probably not. I'm probably nitpicking, but that's what I'm doing. In hindsight, is there's a cut. There was a couple things there. A couple aspects of that play that could have been executed better, I think. So the Brewers tied it. Chris Mack came in, gave up the single, not going to get on him. He's been great this year. Brewers won, walk off fashion, 5 4. Padres still at that point could not get their 31st win of the year. Obviously, they got their 31st win today uh, in great fashion. Manny with the home run, lots of guys contributing. Profar driving in uh, two guys. Um, and then Musgrove, obviously, fantastic eight shutout innings, one hit that he allowed. Um, give me your thoughts. What do you guys think just generally on the team right now, really? Um, you can give your thoughts on yesterday's game, today's game. If you guys are new to this channel, I hope you subscribe to the Padres, the Talking Friars Padres YouTube channel here. This YouTube channel that you're watching this live on or on replay for the podcast audience, I appreciate you as well at Talking Friars on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok for daily Padres content. Same thing for this YouTube channel, daily Padres content, pregame shows, postgame reactions, serious reaction uh, episodes, interviews. I've already had on Kurt Bavacqua, Heath Bell, Lauren Shahadi this year, Tim Haggerty this week, AAA El Paso broadcaster. Ocean should, Ocean, did I just say Ocean should? Oceanside Boy 760 says, when does Tatis come back? Don't know. Late June, I think. Late this month. But he has not begun swinging a bat, to my knowledge. Don't know how long a rehab assignment's going to be. He's going to have to swing a bat dry, then hit off a tee, then probably flips, then batting practice on the field, then live BP, then rehab assignment. There's a lot of steps. So, I don't know. When he comes back to San Diego for that Mets series, he's going to get a scan, I think, on the bone of his wrist. Um, and then we'll see where it goes from there. The last scan did not go as well as the Padres would have hoped. So we'll see where it goes. Yeah, early July, Joel, I know you say that there. That might happen based on if the scan doesn't go well, if they decide to have a longer rehab assignment. Who knows? You know, if he comes back in July, I'm fine with that. You know, I want Fernando to be healthy for the rest of the year. I don't need him coming back, hurting it. And then your divisional hopes are gone. You know, you don't want that to happen. Um, in terms of the Taylor Rogers conversation, should we be worried about Taylor Rogers? I know there's some dummy, uh, I'm blanking on his name, not in radio anymore. Or maybe he is in radio, but not on one of the two main stations saying that today that the Padres have a closer problem. That's idiotic. That's idiotic. There was a, a commenter on my TikTok page, something about Taylor Rogers. They should be done with Taylor Rogers. That's idiotic. The guy's an all-star closer. You know, Mariano Rivera, Trevor Hoffman, they blew saves too. You're allowed to have a, a couple bad games in the first third of the season. You know, he's been great besides a couple games. And... That was his first blown save in the ninth inning. The other, remember, the, the Padres thought so much of him because he was doing so well and because of the lack of the bullpen. Uh, they had Taylor Rodgers come in that Dodger game at Petco Park earlier this year in the eighth inning to try to, I think, get a five-out save or something. 
and he couldn't get it. Left the slider over the middle, Trey Turner off the wall, yada, yada, yada. They ended up winning that game, I, th- I think. I think, it was, I think that was the NOLA um, sack fly game. But, oh, okay, you're, you're telling me that you should be worried about the closer position right now? Taylor Rodgers, he's been tremendous. Who do you want to be the closer then? Because you, it's one thing to say, Taylor Rodgers have a closer problem. Who is going to be the closer then? Are you going to give... You're going to have uh, the Bill Chris Matt be the closer? I love Chris Matt, but I don't know if that's his best role, you know? Even with a 37.80 ERA in his last three games, right? His ERA is still under 3-3. He has 17 saves. His whip's under 1. 26 strikeouts. And he's walked six guys. One of them was an an intentional walk. You know, he, he struck out more than four times the guys that he's walked this year. He's been tremendous. You know, and so we have a closer problem just because, yeah, he sucked yesterday. Okay. So you, so all of a sudden you can't suck for one night or two nights in your first, you know, 26 appearances or something. Like, really? That's just a dumb thought, you know? And the Padres bullpen right now, Rogers, Chris Matt, I'm trusting Garcia a little more. Who else other than that do you say, well, I'll give him I'll give it I'll give him the ninth inning and think that you'll have a pretty dang good chance of getting it done, you know? In in a high leverage spot. Someone had the ninth inning tonight. It was seven nothing. I'm talking about high, high leverage. Who are you gonna give that to? You know, Taylor Rogers is the closer. They don't have a closer problem. I'm not worried about Taylor Rogers. Was I pissed off last night? Was it an embarrassing loss last night? Yes. Taylor Rogers called it the worst night of his career. And I agree, it was bad. He didn't get an out. Allowed four earned runs. Two hits. Didn't strike out anyone. He was bad. He knows it too. And I think he was left in a little bit too long because of how bad he was. But that doesn't mean they have a closer problem. You know, it doesn't. Yeah, Joe Musgrove, he hasn't had a bad start so far yet this year. But you look at every other starter so far this year, pretty much in baseball, they've had a bad start, you know, that they've given up more than two runs or something like that. That happens the same thing with relievers as well, you know. Even the best closers ever have had bad days. So I think that'll end the Taylor Rodgers closer discussion not even calling it a debate because there is no debate he's the closer all right so the Padres lost that one five to four to Milwaukee I think that can close the book Mazzara had a fielder's choice or a fly out to center and then a single in his first two Padres at bats at the big league level um that was Thursday's game we talked about today's game Amazing, amazing, I mean, turn of event. A total 180 from the end of last night to today's game. 
Eight strong innings from Musgrove. Manny homers for the ninth time this year. Profar drives and runs. Ozokar even had that triple late. Kim drove in a run late. A lot of guys producing a great, great win. Last night was the worst loss of the year, I think. Tonight was one of the best wins of the year in terms of just solid, solid win. You know, throughout pretty much everyone. So let me know General Padres' thoughts. We'll end it like that. I'm going to go to the comments here. General Padres' thoughts. Anything you're thinking, any questions, let me know here. Let's see. Joel Williams says, I was worried about the team after that poor turnout with the Cardinals, then that Brewers comeback game before last. I'm feeling a lot better after today. And, yeah, look, even, like, before the game today, like, I was still thinking in my mind, like, even if the Padres lost today, they're 30-22. and 22. You got Corbin Burns on the mound. Is it the end of the world? Now, if they would have lost despite – Corbin Burns pitching this bad today. Yeah, that would have been a problem. But even then, they would have still been 30 and 22 without Fernando. You, you, you know, you just got to put it in perspective a little bit. So that helps. And then, especially, you know, when you have a game tonight, right, and you see the potential of this offense, you're like, holy cow, we got special potential here. Bring back Fernando, and oh, man, we really got something. John says, a statement game, four losses in a row, and fans started thinking 21 collapse. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that was mentioned on the radio today, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the 21 collapse, obviously, last year, that can be brought up, but it's totally, totally different circumstances. you got to realize that. For in the first half of the season, we don't have Fernando. The collapse happened with Fernando. That was part of the reason why it sucks so much, you know? Right now, we have a healthy rotation of Musgrove, Darvish, Clev, or Clev's on the I.L., but you get what I'm saying. Manaya, um, Gore should be the National League Rookie of the Year. And the fact that he didn't win National League Rookie of the Month this past month is just stupid anyway as well. Um and then just the whole rotation is Nick Martinez. They just have a deeper rotation that's healthy right now, pretty much. Um, and they're willing and they're able, because of the depth, to have that six-man rotation and give guys extra days right now. Like, So the circumstances of the collapse last year where we had Jake Arrieta pitching and Vince Velasquez pitching and Pedro Avila pitching, and a, totally different than it is right now. So, no, I don't think you can compare it to the collapse because a collapse is when you're, like, really, really, really good. You've been good for a sustained period of time, and then you fall, like last year. We're still in the first half of the year, you know? And for it to be, like, a real collapse, I think you got to be fully healthy. You know? They don't have Fernando right now. But in terms of, like, the losing, I understand. Like, finding ways to lose, I get that point. But I don't think you compare the two. You can. I don't think you can compare the two collapses. Well, 
they haven't collapsed this year. You get what I'm saying? If they would have, or if they would have continued losing so far right now, you can't compare those two. Uh, Zach says Castillo and Baez pitching well. They are, and that's another part of the reason why you should be optimistic about this team. And after tonight's win, it's crazy how you know twenty four hours can totally shift shift your mood. You know, last night, sucky, sucky loss, worst loss of the year, and then tonight, one of the cleanest wins of the year, if not the cleanest win of the year. You know, and then. You see those those minor league game logs where Castillo hasn't given up or an earned run yet in the minor leagues this year in his rehab appearances, right? And Michelle Baez is pitching pretty well, you know? And those guys can be moved into the bullpen. And so you don't have to have Steven Wilson have all this pressure on him, you know? Um, and then when guys are healthy, even when in the rotation, like let's say Club gets back, you can move Martinez into the bullpen, you know? So all of a sudden... There's more depth in the bullpen, and you still have the rotation. And you have Fernando coming back. Hopefully it's you know late June or July. So all of a sudden, you know, looking at it half glass full, it's really easy to think that this team can go really far. And I had them going in the end of the year as a I think 90 plus win team or 89 plus win team. Um, and I'm still definitely sticking with that. 31 and 20 or 31 and 22 right now? Yeah. I mean, why not? Why can't they? Sure, the division's tough, but this team's, you can just feel that the team is different than last year. Like, you can't compare the two teams, I don't think. You know, last year, Jace Tingler managing. This year, it's Bob Mellon. Last year, they had Larry Rothschild being fired and saying that he was the scapegoat, even though guys continued to get hurt after he was fired. And this year you have Ruben Niebla fixing Mackenzie Gore. Last year, Gore was going from AAA all the way down back to Peoria because he couldn't find the strike zone enough, consistently enough. And now, fast forward to this year, now he's in the rotation and he's the National League Rook of the Year if I had a vote. So total different circumstances. And I know last year at this time, things were going well as well. Um, but it's... It just feels different right now, you know? It just does. Um, let's see. Kevin says, love the platooning we're seeing in the outfield. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's going to be intriguing with the Mazzara-Rooker thing. You know, the Rooker ring brought up. Will he hit against, you know, he's a righty. Will he hit against lefties and play right field? And then Mazzara hit against uh, righties since he's a lefty. Could see that, right? Um, I mean, they still, they're still playing a Zokar a lot in, in right field. Or, I mean, these two games that Mazar has been on the team and starting, right? Uh, but, yeah, I, I think Rooker and Mazar can definitely provide some big impact at bats or big bats to this lineup, you know, because of that power potential. And I love Mazzara, the fact that it seems like he's making a lot of contact this year. Rooker is not the same guy. He strikes out more, but the power is there. And the power has been lacking in the Padres out offense, you know, in the outfield. So 
I think both guys can fit in certain ways on this roster while Will is on the IL. Zach says Benintendi has been linked to us. Yes, um, but if Mazzara plays well, I don't think there's really a reason to go out and get Benintendi, give up prospects from a weaker farm system than it certainly was a couple years ago. Um, but yeah, Mancini's been linked to us. There's been names, Contreras. Yeah, there's been names, and you're going to continue to say names. It's A.J. Preller. A.J. Preller talks to everyone. He might not be seriously considering something, but he's considering everything. That's what we've seen from the history of A.J. Preller, you know? And he thinks outside the box. Did we see him hiring Bob Melvin? No. Did we see him bringing in Jorge Alfaro? No. Did we see him bringing in, what's another name? Taylor Rogers on opening day? No. He just thinks outside the box, and that's something good about him, and it can be bad a little bit as well. But I think he definitely learned from last year. You know, if, if, they're, if they need something at the trade deadline, go and freaking get it. Unlike last year when they needed starting pitching and they and he didn't get anything. <laughs> Mills says, "Did you see Passon's article about his picking up Nelson Cruz?" No, I did not. What 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 did he say there? What that he's a trade option? They have Luke Voigt. If that's what he said, that's I don't think that's happening. They have Luke Voigt as a DH. They have Brent Rooker who can fill in as a DH. They have other guys that can rotate as a DH. They have Brent. Uh, did I say Brent Rooker already? Yeah, they have Brent Rooker. You know, they have DH options. So what would they do with Voight if they bring in Cruz? You know, like I don't know if he just. I just don't know if he fits. And it kind of feels like, like an Adam Frazier type deal, kind of like last year, where Frazier just didn't fit with the team. And it was pretty obvious. Yeah, Nelson, I'd love to have Nelson Cruz. I think he would play over Luke Voigt. That's not what I'm saying. But you have Luke Voigt on the roster. You know, you're telling me the Nationals would want Luke Voigt back? I don't know. John says, great content, Ben. You've been really killing it with the Padres coverage, talking friars for the W. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I think we'll... Leave it with that. I appreciate that comment, John. Um, again, I hope you subscribe to this YouTube channel, trying to get up to 1,000 subscribers. Daily Padres content. Uh, when I go to games, I do content from inside Petco Park. Um, Pre-game shows from inside. Post-game reactions from inside Petco Park. Uh, and I do it for you guys. I love talking Padres baseball with all you guys. And don't don't think I'm not for or don't think I'm forgetting the uh, podcast audience. I appreciate you as well. I'm just live on YouTube right now, and I see the chat on YouTube. Uh, but I appreciate everyone tuning in. Joel, I appreciate that as well, that comment. Thanks, Ben. You're performing on excellent service. Thank you. Um, that'll do it. Fun hour plus of Padres talk. Musgrove with amazing, an amazing no-hit bid uh, after last night's terrible loss. And the Padres... Look to win the series if they can win the next two games tomorrow and Sunday or split. I'm, I'd be happy with a split going home for the Mets series. So that'll do it. Episode 177 of the Talk Friars podcast and YouTube show. I'm your host, Ben Fadden, signing off. Have a good night, everyone. 
See ya.